0: Uh, this morning, I want to look at a passage of Scripture in John chapter 13. My two favorite verses are in John 13, but I'm not going to use them necessarily. I'm going to start at verse 12 and go to 17. But uh, the background here Jesus has just washed his disciples' feet. So I, I guess the question I'll ask is Have you ever washed someone else's feet? Now, you know, I remember washing my kids' feet. Uh, I know I wash my own feet, but uh, again, so if you ever done that, if I would say, okay, this group of people here needs to get with that group of people there, and all of you stand in front, get in a line, and the one here is going to wash the foot of this one. You see what I'm saying? So I started to put a base in here with a towel, and tell you that we were going to do that today. but um, So what does it take? And do you have what it takes to wash feet of people? Um, we did this with a youth group about 30 years ago. Uh, on a retreat. And the retreat place we went to uh, was an overnight retreat. And they didn't have showers. So the guys washed... The guys' feet, the girls' wash, the girls' feet. So, I don't know what you think about washing the feet of our, I'll pick on the boys, because I did that. Uh, It wasn't necessarily easy, but I knew it was coming so I could prepare. But, um, you know, if I would tell you we were going to do it today, some would go, "Uh uh-oh, I got a, a hole in my sock. Or, or I wore those smelly shoes today because they look good even though, see what I'm saying? But I, w- I won't go any further than that, but I'm, I'm not going to talk about Jesus washing feet, okay? It's what His directions were to the church, to the disciples and to the church that followed that. But again, just a little background. Uh, Jesus knew that His time was coming to an end on earth. Uh, And he was beginning some intense training uh, for his disciples. So at this point, Jesus was going to focus on the most important things for his disciples to know and also for his disciples to do. There was no time to waste in their preparation. Jesus was going to focus on the things again that were most important. And it was critical that the disciples understood what Jesus was teaching them from this time and on forward. See, Jesus had physically washed their feet, but there was a much deeper meaning to what he had done. Uh, We're going to look at when I read the verse here. Not that he did for them, but what he did to them in washing their feet. These disciples had seen Jesus humbly serve others for three years. Now it was time for them to put what they had seen Jesus do into action in their own lives. They were to become Jesus' hands. They were to become Jesus' feet. They were to become Jesus' mouthpiece. And they were to become the heart of Jesus for the entire world of that day. So their preparation and obedience to what Jesus was teaching them was critical as their ministry was beginning in earnest. Uh, if these guys were going to win people to the Lord, they must learn how to serve like Jesus. But let's, I'll, I'll read it if you want to follow along, John 13, starting at verse 12. So when he had washed their feet... Taking his garment and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You know, I'm a pastor and I've read this passage probably a thousand times. And I've always read it what I've done for you. But it reads what I've done to you. You call me teacher and Lord and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash feet one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is no greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. A brief story here. Back in 1995, before some of you were born, I know that. Uh, I came here December of 95 to start working as an associate pastor in January the 1st of 1996. So we had just moved here in the middle of December, and the church staff had a a Christmas party at the pastor that was here then at his home. So it was on a Saturday evening, and it was blue, 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 blue cold. I mean bone-sealing colt. Um, so when we were traveling home from that party, we had a flat tire. Um, at that time, my, I hadn't officially started work here yet. At that time, my daughter was a year and not quite two months old. My son was still not born, but my wife was expecting. Four of us were in the car. Uh, We moved here from Georgia. So you know, December in Georgia, a light jacket is all you need. So my wife did tell me before we left, Bob, you got to get a warm coat on. And I, like most well, like me, okay, I put on a light jacket. I mean, it was warm enough when the heat was on and uh, we were going you know I was going from here to the house over there and it was warm enough but we had a flat tire and somebody had to get out of the car <laughs> um, but I- I'll say this uh... there was a car or two that passed by but there did come a car along to assist me uh... this fellow did not hesitate to help me change the tire um, he came along aside and provided the help that I needed, okay? And yes, I did get in and out of the car a couple of times because it was really cold. Um, he did not want any pay for his help. He was just glad to be able to help. If this has happened to you and most of you, if you're my age, it has happened before, the flat tire thing, if it's happened to you, um, you are very thankful and grateful that someone would come along and care enough to stop and put his flashers on, help me get the car jacked up, tire changed, and on my way. But you see, the Lord used this man to rescue me and my family in our time of great need. But what an example he set of what Jesus would have done if he would have been there. I, the guy was a believer, so I don't question I don't question that he stopped because God tapped him on his shoulder and said, hey, you need to help these guys. Even as cold as it was, he came to my rescue. And I, I like to use that story as an example. That's what I mean by washing feet, okay? That's doing work for others that maybe you not always would want to do but you see a need, and you address the need, and you care enough to stop just for a moment to help someone that has And Listen, I'm a man, and I can change a tire, Uh, but it was sure good to have someone come along that would talk and assist, and allow me to get in the car and warm up a little. He said, you're going to freeze out here like that. Um, But he was a great example of Christ. And you see, Jesus is a true example of how we are to love and care for others. His disciples, he washed, he washed their feet, but there was more to it than just that. But let's look at a couple verses here in verse 12 and 13. Jesus began with them with a question for his disciples. He said, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. You see, in Jesus' day, that was the lowest job that there was for the lowest slave in a household. That was washing feet. The feet were considered the dirtiest part of the body by far. Um, And no, listen, this is just true, no upstanding person would stoop so low as to wash the feet of someone else. Especially if you see yourself as above, those people you see yourself as more important maybe than other people more valuable or this is what we're famous for this one too well I could do it but you know really they should do it because they're they're closer to the station in life as the other one and yet, yeah, and yes that does happen in the church too it happens in the world it happens in the church but I want, uh, I'll share something else with you. Um, in Africa, I worked with dock villages in Africa. The children mostly would come with sores, blisters, cuts, scrapes, bruises on their feet. And I'll just say this, in Africa, the feet of the children that have no shoes are not the cleanest thing you put your hands on. Okay? But children would come to the medical center, medical center, the school building that we're using with doctors and nurses and just people to help. But you know what I found? The nurses took such tender care, of those feet of those mostly children, adults too. But they they got down on the floor the children sitting on a little stool and they would get down on the floor and wash and clean the feet of these children my guess it may be won't be the first time one of the only times in their lives they've had someone to sit down take a knee and wash their feet and clean them to where they were actually clean but these nurses took the time to care and wash and treat and bandage the feet of these kids. These nurses and doctors did it too. They were being Jesus to those people. And these nurses would change bandages every day until the foot was healed, just like Jesus. You see, they took special care of these children. And I've watched the amazement in the faces of those kids when a nurse would take the time to clean their feet. And, and the truth is, the bandage on their foot was basically the only shoe they had until they changed the dressing the next day. Uh, I, and I haven't seen the, the flyer for Operation Christmas Child yet. Last year, we had a big poster about this big for Operation Christmas Child, and somebody asked me, "What's the best thing to put in a shoebox?" And I got that picture out and held it up, and the kids were running with their shoebox over their head as far and as fast as they could with this great shoebox. There were probably a dozen kids, and only two of them had shoes on. So, if you can find a pair of Crocs or something like a Croc and fit it into a shoebox, um. It sounds crazy, but it might be the only shoes the kid has ever owned, other than a 99-cent flip-flop, okay? So here I go advertising again. Uh, Guys, the Lord humbled himself to the lowest position possible in his day in order to make his point to teach his disciples. This truly was one of the greatest acts of humility that Jesus ever expressed, to those men in his earthly ministry. You see, Jesus was on his hands and knees before his disciples. Imagine what they were thinking. Of course, it does tell us what Peter was thinking. Oh, Lord, you're not watching mine. And Jesus, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, Either I'll wash your feet or you have no part of me. But what are the rest of them thinking? Jesus, the king, I'll call him the king, okay, their leader. They knew he was the Messiah. He's on his hands and knees washing their feet, doing something that they should have done automatically for him. Also, when I teach, I I usually teach smaller groups than this, so I can ask questions, but uh, I guess how many disciples were there at the time? There were 12. So, yes, he even washed the feet of Judas. And my my guess is, knowing Jesus, he probably took extra special care. Because he was still t- trying to win that guy for heaven. But Judas got it too. I'm going to go back to my college graduation. This is something that... Uh, some of these notes I made this note I wrote as soon as I graduated from college in nineteen ninety-five okay and my graduation the speaker's name was Dr. McCarthy, McCarthy McCarthy doctor okay an old gentleman with white hair And uh, I will admit to this he was probably then the same age that I am now but he had white hair so I still see him as an old guy, so I can call myself an old guy too, okay? But he said something to the class that was absolutely profound to me and has impacted my ministry uh, since that point till today. And he made this simple statement. He said, sometimes God's best is on the bottom shelf. Are you willing to stoop? Bend or even kneel to get to God's best in serving others. Man, how insightful is that? Are you willing to stoop, bend, and kneel to get God's best? Even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's 20 degrees outside. even when somebody has a great need you see sometimes it's a dirty a dirty job so who will step up and complete the job it should be me and it should be you verse 14 so if I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet. To wash one another's feet, you must be willing to do the other person's dirty work sometimes. To wash means we must be willing to stoop to the lowest position in love for the true good and benefit of other people. This is placing the needs of others above ourselves. Uh, It's like a mother changing the diaper of a baby. Um, Why do you, you do it? Because it's a mess. But you do it with joy because you know it's for your baby. It's for your child. And you would do it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again because you know it's what's best. And as a parent, you want what's absolutely best for your kid. So, um, but I also say this for us adults. Humility is also being willing to do the same for our parent in their latter years. And I know that sounds awful and some will laugh and some will snicker. But what is it that God might ask you to do today or tomorrow, next month, next year, 20 years from now? Will you be humble enough to do the dirty work for someone? that you could better and benefit them. A couple of practical examples here I'll give you as offering assistance to needy people. That's clothing. That's food. That's water. That's transportation to and from appointments. It's taking people shopping when they have no way or resource. And I'll say this, and I know, you know, we have a closed closet and a food pantry, and we have a lot of ministries here, and sometimes you can go and serve over there, and you go, sometimes you just wonder, wow, is this really of any benefit to anybody? Guys, I have been here before when walked in a year or two or five years later and say, "Um, you know, when I, you know, Jesus said, when I was hungry... You gave me something to eat. I've heard that. When I was naked, you gave me some clothes. And we've done that right over in a house over here that probably 50% of you have no idea what it is. But I say all that to say those that serve over there, that's what this is talking about. And I know, listen, this we're human. Sometimes people come over there and we go, wow, do they really need something? Um, But that's where we have to humble ourselves and say, you know what? I'm going to serve them, and we'll let God sort it out later whether they need it or not. It's about serving people in need. And I, I promise you this, in serving people like that, we will win them to the Lord. Because they'll, listen, they'll get to that place, eventually we trust God. They'll get to the place where they no longer need that help. And they'll remember where the help came from. And they'll plug themselves in. Maybe here, maybe somewhere else in a church. But they'll know that the church, that God's people, had made a difference in their life. Also, another example is spending time with the sick homebound or homebound people. Um, That's sharing Jesus with people. And that's sharing time with people. You know, as a pastor, I, I do go and... Homes where people are shut in. I go into the nursing homes. Um, And I know for me that's very important. Not because it's my job. But because I love those people. But it's also important that you be part of that. You be the disciple. The extension of God's hand. To reaching those people too. And then I'll, I'll close with this last practical example. Here's to... The comfort people in a time of great loss, a time of a relationship broken, a time of a family that we dearly love, that God moves to Colorado like he did a couple of years ago with a family from here. Like the time when God calls a group of people from here to start a church in downtown and They're now at the mall. I mean, God takes a group of 150 people and moves them from here to uh, Churchville. We need comfort. I don't know, but I needed it. We were sending 150 people one way and 160 people another way. And we got 500 here, and we send half of them away. Um those relationships, even though they're not far, are severed to some degree. But I'll camp on this one here, though, the comforting people in times of great loss. Um, this year, I know for certain of 10 family members of our church that have gone to be with the Lord. I know of two more that are probably in the next week or two are looking at the same Circumstances in their family. Guys, when you hear of those things, those people need to be comforted and loved and cared for. And I learned this a number of years ago, too. So we always ask as church people so what do I do if I go to their house? What do I do? And then the other one is, what do I say? And uh, and, uh, I was going to say an old pastor, but he's a couple years older now. So a pastor friend of mine taught me this because I was in that situation one time. I had led a lady to the Lord and her daughter died two days later. The pastor and I went to the house and I said to the pastor, uh, I'm very scared of people. And I really don't know what to do in that situation. He said, this is just the truth. When we show up there, we'll care and we'll love, and we'll speak, but you need to remember they'll never probably remember what you have to say because their heart is broken and it's hard to hear. But the thing that's important that you understand is they'll never forget that you were there. So... uh, I've I've taken some of our deacons and others with me into these kind of situations before, and they almost always ask what I said. I said, you really don't need to say anything. You know, you say, hey, I'm sorry, I'm praying for you. The main thing you can do is to be there, to hug their neck, to touch their arm, to touch their hand, to pray with them. They'll never forget your presence. Um, So I have to remind myself all the time, I really don't carry any great pearls of wisdom for that. Um, They just want to know that you care. They want to know that you're there. Your presence in these times is priceless. Um, In times of crisis like that, again, they'll always remember that you were there um, in their times of deep needs. But these things, times of serving in deep needs and meeting needs of people, uh, they must be done out of love and not out of obligation. Because God moves us, not because we feel like we have to. In order to earn God's favor, in order to earn your way to heaven. I don't really want to go, but I'm going to go. I don't really want to tend to that child in Awana, but I'm going to go because it's going to earn me something in God's favor. Guys, only go, only do as He directs because He moves you to it. And listen, I'm, I'm all about Awana. Uh I know God will move on the hearts of many of you to serve in that capacity in that ministry. Just say yes to when he asks you to do it. There's plenty of place for you to serve. And when you think you don't have the tools and equipment to do it, usually that means that uh, you're right for God to fill you with the tools as, as the opportunity comes. So... Um, Guys, yeah, make, make sure that the motivation and drive to serve others and it's grounded in humility and love. And then Jesus says, For I have given you an example that you should do as I've done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, the serv- a servant is no greater than his master, nor he nor is he who sent greater than he, he who was sent. You see, the servant, is sent to represent the master, not to prove anything about how great he is. The Bible says we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is an official representative of the king. That's the dictionary definition. We are the official representative of the king when we go. You see, the servant does should do only what the master wants, and the servant also gets others to follow the king. You see, that the disciples had seen Jesus' example of humility and love in service to others. They had watched Jesus heal the lame, the blind, the deaf. They had seen Jesus raise multiple people from the dead. They had watched Jesus as he wept with two sisters. But now, they were experiencing it for themselves. You see, they had watched Jesus do all these things. But now Jesus was doing those things for them and to them. You see, they had been on the outside looking in. Listen, I, 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 It's kind of human nature. When you're way up in leadership like the disciples were, when you're way up in leadership... Too many times we think, well, what Jesus is doing there is for them. Because I got it all figured out. I'm one of his main guys. But you see, they had experienced it from the outside looking out here, looking over there and saying, well, look what Jesus did for them and them and them and them. But I I personally wonder at this point, was the point Jesus was making now, look what I'm doing for you. You narrow down from the multitude, now to the twelve. They had seen it all, they had witnessed it all, but now Jesus gets personal and say, "Now, now you, now I'm going to serve you." You see, they needed Jesus too, uh, and they were just as needy as everybody else. Uh, I even wrote myself a note here. Maybe they're not as special. You see, not too long before they, they were discussing who was going to sit at Jesus' right hand when he becomes the leader. Self-centered. I want. I want to sit. I want to sit at his right hand. But here he's making it plain. They have the same need of all the other people also. And then verse 17 says, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. At this point, the disciples had no excuse. Jesus had made it clear that they were to love and serve others just as Jesus had just served them. That was their responsibility. Because, Listen, as as I think about it, They had watched Jesus do all these things for three years. And Jesus was going, and now the responsibility was going to be theirs to do it. And that's where he's pointing out here, all right, guys, I've done it to you. Now you do it to others. But, you know, it says here, if you know these things, bless you if you do them. Let's look at that thing a little bit in reverse. Um, what happens if you know what to do and what is right to do and don't do it? What happens if you know exactly what God wants you to do and you don't do it? You're blessed if you do, but what if you don't? Especially, it says right there, if you know these things. So again, the disciples had no excuse. Um... What it is is disobedience, and I, I like definitions of words, and we all know what disobedience is. It's when you tell your child to do something and they don't do it, okay? But I, I want to I look at it a little deeper here about disobedience. Um, disobedience is the failure to obey someone in authority. But I, I left out a word in that definition because it's a failure or refusal to obey uh, is, is the definition. And I, listen, I, I'll at least speak for me and, uh, and I think the church in general. I believe most cases refusal to obey is the right definition for this passage here. If we know what to do and don't do it, it's sin. If we're blessed... Uh, to do what the Lord says, then what if we disobey? Or what if we refuse to obey? Again, the opposite of that is to be cursed. (laughs) Sounds harsh, doesn't it? But the Word of God says we would be cursed. The opposite is we'd be cursed. So if we know... If we know these things, is there really any question in your, uh, that we're to serve other people? At this point, the disciples get it. At least 11 of them we know get it. And they got it for sure. And I, I, you know, I just wrote myself a question. Do you? Do you? Do you? If you know, then we have no other choice but to love and serve other people. In the end of that verse, it says, blessed we will be if we do them. The promise of being blessed for our obedience. It's a pretty good promise. But be careful not to serve others for the purpose of receiving the blessing. You get what I'm saying? Don't serve others so I can be blessed. Or so you can be blessed. I'm going to do this because God's going to bless me for it. You know, I've heard rich people say, I'm going to give $100,000 over there because I know in return I'm going to get something big just like that. (laughs) You know, uh, and I don't know John Paul Jones, but there's an arena in Charlottesville that's got his name on it. They didn't put his name there because he gave nothing. They put his name there, but again, what did he get? He got his name on a building which... You know, uh, y'all. If you're UVA fans, you know what University Hall is. My dad in the '60s helped build that building. And he blew it up just a little bit a couple months ago, and John Paul Jones Arena will do the same thing one day. So if all he got was his name on a building, what did he get? So guys, don't, don't, don't let your obedience be what I what's in it for me. Yeah, I'll do that, but look what I'm going to get in return. That's not what he's saying here. That's not what he's saying. The real blessing is knowing that it pleases the Lord that we obey him. Let that be the blessing you get. You know, a well done from God's way better than your name on a great big building. Um, Or recognition at the front here. Okay? Okay? We will be blessed if we follow Jesus' example, and when we do, we will also be an example for others to follow. A major role for these disciples was to set an example that others would gladly follow in order to touch others for the Lord. You see, in touching people, you show them Christ by your actions. On a cold December night, a man came to my rescue and my family and washed their feet by helping me in time of great need. And I guess the question I have for you, have you been out there washing the feet and serving other people? Are you the one that drives by in the car and goes, ooh, man, it's too cold for me to be out there? And listen, we've probably all done it if we be honest with ourselves. Are you the one who drives by in the car thinking, "Lord, this is what the Christian does. Lord, send somebody to help them." (laughs) And it's true. Lord, send somebody to help fix that tire. I'm just too busy. It's cold outside. You know, I I made a note to myself here, the Good Samaritan. You know, I won't tell the story, but the first one to go by was a priest, and I I turn it to today, and that's the pastor. He goes by, flips over to the other side. He's too busy, too, too big of a hurry, and goes on. Probably thinking, Lord, the next guy is lower than me. Let him, so the deacon comes by next. And who helps him? The lowest one. It's closer to the ground to put his knees down. And sometimes the church does this. Well, I'll call the pastor and let the pastor know. And the pastor will go do that for us. You know, he's our representative and he's our leader. And, you know, if the pastor will do it and I see him do it, maybe I'll do it next time. Are you out there serving other people? Are you out there looking for those that have needs that God has specifically d- designed you to meet? Because that's what these disciples were. The Lord had designed them specifically to meet the needs of other people. One chose one chose and disobeyed. The other 11 changed their world and turned it upside down. Just in being obedient. So, what difference does it make when we humbly love and serve others? You see, we love people and serve people in order to try to reach them with the gospel of, tr- of Christ. And again, I, I'll go through my favorite verse and I'll finish with this. What's, what difference does it make? It makes this difference in verse 34 and 35 of the same chapter jesus said a new command i give to you that you love one another as i've loved you you see you see the parallel here you love as i love you wash feet you change tires you work with the children you touch the people that you work with i'm running out of time but i'm gonna say this anyway I, I got a friend that works at a, at a factory, and I remember he came to me one time, and he said, why is it that people where I work come and ask me to pray for them? They're not even Christian people. Why would they come to me? And I said, they come to you because you've been an example that they can see, and you'll pray. And you'll work to try to help them get their needs met by the Lord. Guys, we make a difference, but again, let me finish the verse here. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I've loved you, that you also love one another. And this is the one that's this is the part of the verse that's so critical. And it says, By this, all will know that you're my disciples as you love one another. You want to know how you can let people know who Jesus is? You serve them. You love them. I, I'm hoping. I'm not hoping anybody has a flat tire anytime soon, but I'll tell you this. I'm going to stop and help if I can. And I'm going to do it because it, the scripture's clear. There's things that I can do to help people. You know, um, Margaret, they're going to be a baby shower. And whenever, I don't remember the date, ladies, you got it, I don't have it. Uh, and I probably won't be there, but I don't need to be. But listen, guys. Um, what does Margaret and Michael need that we can bless them with? I don't, you know. She told me diapers, and I can't remember what the other stuff was. Okay? But but what can you do to be a blessing to them? What, what can you do to be a blessing to, uh, where's Todd? The Ashby family. They were overwhelmed by the love of the people here. And people from other churches and all over. But what can you do to help people in their times of need? Sometimes it's moving furniture, sometimes it's setting up tables in the gym. Sometimes, <laughs> where's Rob? Sometimes it's taking tables down in the gym that, that were left for somebody else to do. That's, what's, that's what it means to be serving others. You see how we relate to others uh, as believers and non-believers will send us to the world we live in. Our actions will always speak louder than our words. You see, if we preach it and we don't do it, we're a hypocrite, plain and simple. If we're going to say it, we've got to do it. You see, Jesus shown us just what to do. He showed his disciples what to do and also how to humbly serve the Lord and serve others. So my charge to you is this, to go out there. Look for opportunities to touch, to touch people. Jesus said to his disciples, look at what I did to you. I believe that's what Jesus said to all of us today. Not just, what have I done for you? We know what he did. But what has he done to you? Has he spoken to your heart today? And my guess is, many of us sitting here today, if we'll just ask the Lord, what is it I could do today? He would give you somebody to call, somebody to go see, a life to touch that he's already tapped you on the shoulder to do and you haven't done it yet. Okay? Okay? Guys, be his hands and his feet, his mouthpiece and his heart, and love people.